Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, I'm excited about this episode because this is a first. This pool. is normally we, we normally we're sitting around. We have a beer. We have you know somebody in the line. It's it's pretty intimate. But now, like Cheers was, we are being filmed before live. Yes, studio we audience. are. Uh, 130 episodes. We've, we've never. And I'm so before. geeked up about this that I actually put on a nicer shirt and a jacket today. So you you totally dressed up for this. We, we've never and, seen this. So. We, we, I was just going to go say, ahead. you know, so so we were invited to be a part of this and um, it, it, it sounds absolutely fascinating. And they did put out the disclaimer that they are uh, either very excited about this or maybe a little crazy for doing this. And I think that uh, I, I agree with them. They're either very excited or crazy for having us do this. But we're going to be uh, recording today uh, in front of a live audience at the uh, Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center in College Station. And that's where the Texas. Is CUC. If you've ever heard of that, it's the Conference of Urban Counties. Uh, they're getting together there uh, for their education and policy conference. And, and that's a lot of words. But basically what it is, this is a lot of elected officials at the local level, a lot of county judges and commissioners and so forth, uh, getting together and, and discussing what's going on uh, in their counties, what's going on in the state. And what I really like about this, Jason, is that you've got uh, Republicans and Democrats all together in the same room uh, from all over this state, and they are working on problems uh, and issues that they have in common. And, you know, we just don't see that, I, I think, enough uh, these days or we don't highlight it enough these days that, yeah, you've got yeah. people from 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 both sides who actually come together and have, you know, sane, regular, non-screaming conversations about real issues. And, and they work together every day. They solve problems every day in the 254 counties across the state. So that's encouraging. And as you mentioned, we were supposed to be there. Uh, our bosses put the kibosh on that because of the Omicron variant. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, let's get to our our, uh, our two guests with us. When uh, we found out about this, we said, hey, we'd like to have a Democratic judge and a Republican judge and kind of walk through the issues that are happening uh, across our state. So with us today, we have uh, two people on the front lines. Let's start with um, Democratic County Judge Eddie Trevino. He is joining us virtually as well, like you and I are, Jason. He's from Cameron County, Brownsville, the southern tip of Texas, the Rio Grande Valley, one of my favorite places in the state. Actually, when I moved here 22 years ago, um, I hadn't been down there you know, for, for a few years. Uh, I went on vacation down there, crossed over to Matamoros, and that's one of the first places we went. So, uh, Judge Trevino, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Uh, it's an honor to be here, but I can tell I'm already in the minority my last name does not start with a W or an H. So uh, <laughs> to see. I wish I was there in person, especially since I see that you brought the refreshments. Uh, so I, I am missing out on that. But I'm glad to be here. And uh, it's, it, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think ignorance is bliss. I didn't want to do a lot of prep work because I knew Judge Whitley would have the answers to everything. 
I'm just going to figure out whether I agree with him or not on the answers. Well, well, Judge Trevino, you had us at ignorance is bliss. I think that that's our mantra around yeah. here. So, uh, yeah, the, we have another WH here. You are the only T on the line. Uh, we've got Tarrant County Judge Glenn Whitley as well uh, with us from uh, the Fort Worth area. If you're not familiar with Tarrant County, but of course you are. He is a Republican uh, County Judge there, and uh, and he's actually joining us from inside the conference uh, where uh, he is uh, on a stage of his own. And and Judge Whitley, you've got your own little table there with refreshments i see well uh yes i do you know as you mentioned earlier we uh we done one of these earlier or very early in covid and yeah you were on the broadcast with us that's right once before uh your bosses had put the kibosh on your ability to travel and and so you didn't buy me a beer and we talked (laughs) about the fact that the next time we did this you were going to come over to uh tarrant county and that instead of a beer we were going to do a whiskey uh, and so when I heard we were going to do it down here, then I had to be sure that we were going to have the bourbon. And then once again, your bosses put the kibosh on it, but I did bring along the <laughs> bourbon. And so, you know, while y'all are up there and you may not be able to drink in your particular, maybe I can get the lid off this thing without spilling it. There we go. Uh, we are going to have, you know, I'm going to have a little bit there just to, uh, as I promised you, we would do the last time. I like how you roll, Judge. He's got the whole bottle there uh, next to him there uh, on the little table. Uh, we're at the very tail end of the conference, which, you know, goes against that whole, uh, you know, adage about, you know, saving the best for last, I guess. But uh, thanks to everybody who's gathered there to to get into some serious discussions about stuff that affects uh, all of us. Judge, one of the biggest questions uh, is what kind of bourbon are you having? Uh, this is uh, Maker's Mark 46. Now, had we you know, had y'all come to Tarrant County? We would have gone over and probably had a little TX, but nice. uh, well, I'm going to save that for another time because eventually, and you only got 11 months left, but if you, you know, <laughs> get me on in 11 months and we'll uh, see if we can't break open a bottle of TX. And, and of course, 11 months left because you have decided not to run for re-election uh, retiring. So, uh, it, you know, that's uh, congratulations to you and I, I was doing dry January, guys, but um, Wheeler said before we got going, what are you going to have to drink? I said, come on, I'm on dry January. You know this. He said, well, you're not going to drink anything? And then you show up, Judge, with the Maker's Mark there. And so I've had to go to the fridge, and I pulled out a um, a Four Corners. This is a local beer from from uh, the Dallas uh-huh. area. Four Corners Brewing. It's heart of Texas. It's a, it's a, a red ale. This is a good one. This was actually... This is a Christmas from who? Gift from from me. That's right. I, I let yes. you a whole six yes. pack of uh, hand selected beers from across Texas, uh, and I, I wish I hadn't given it to you actually, because usually my problem is is I you know go to the fridge and it's not really much of a problem. I go I don't know who put these beers in here or who picked them out, but there's some here today. I swore there was a whole six pack in there that I had put in there, you know, of different sorts uh, from around the state, and there's nothing in there. So. I have the opposite problem this time. I don't know who took them, uh, but so I'm down to a ranch water. And so I'm having a uh, blue agave hard seltzer ranch water today. And I now, actually I'm brought tell in both of y'all that your <laughs> folks on the I am up program in the morning, that exercise, she's going to get after you for this. It, <laughs> yeah, so, Sonia will probably say something. <laughs> You're right. Th- this is, this is not helping my waistline at all or my neckline for that matter, but Okay, enough of the happy hour talk here. Let, let's get can out. We, to, 
We have a studio audience yeah. for this one, so we, we got to get I would into like it, to huh? start where uh, Judge Whitley just touched on there a moment ago about, you know, you've got 11 months left. You, you're not seeking reelection this time around. You've been in the position for a while here. And uh, not to say that this had anything to do with, with it, but I want to ask you this because we've been hearing this from the national level all the way down to, you know, school board officials in, in small communities that the, the discourse, our public discourse has gotten so toxic and even threatening in some cases that they just they don't want to do the job anymore. And I'm wondering, even before you got to the the point where you were saying, you know what, I think I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to you know leave this position. Have you had days here in these past couple of years uh, during the pandemic where you've thought, I just I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Has the discourse changed that much from where you're sitting? Well, the discourse has definitely changed. But I would tell you that if I could work with the folks in this room and with uh, local government, I would do this from now until the cows came home. Um, we work together. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, Eddie's a Democrat, I'm a Republican, but we come together and we are working on the same issues back home and they're issues that our citizens are facing and that we need to help them with. Uh, And so we don't get into the partisanship that we used to see only in Washington, but now we see both in Washington and Austin. Judge Trevino, have you been uh, sensing it there too? Absolutely. I, I, I don't have the years in office that uh, the Judge Whitley does, but he was one of the first uh, people I spoke to when I joined CUC uh, five years ago. And uh, I was impressed with the fact that we were able to have a discussion about relative issues, relevant issues, whether it was in Fort Worth or Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, or the Valley. And we were almost always on the same page. And we realized, <laughs> and, and I again, I don't, I don't want to be partisan because I try hard not to, but I remember when Governor Perry was in office, he would tell his response to Washington was, hey, we know what to do in Texas. You let us handle our handle our business and, and you all try to take care of it. And I and I always agree with that. I never thought, you know, 10, 12 years later that we'd see the exact opposite where now Austin says, well, for the rest of you in Texas, we know what's best for you and just listen to us. And it is it is a uh, it has been a quite a, a chasm of a change, and so when I deal with uh, local officials, whether it's here in the valley or throughout the state, I realize that regardless of the, the letter at the end of your name, if everybody would work in the same manner that we do, I think we'd get a hell of a lot more done. And what's disappointing, and somebody alluded to it earlier, I think Judge Whitley did, this never-ending campaign. In other words, once the campaign's over. Winners and losers, if you win, you get to work. And that's, that doesn't seem to be happening anymore. The only focus is, how, what do I need to do to win my next election, whether it's in two or four years? And that really has stymied the, the, the growth, the ability to, to make progress, to get things done, because everybody's just worried about the next election. And if that happens, it's become more and more partisan. And uh, I think CEC is a great example of the way the process in our government is supposed to work. Uh, regardless of your party affiliation, we've got a problem. And we've been dealing with the same one for the last almost two years, statewide, nationally, and globally, which is this damn pandemic. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm honored and pleased to work with the people that I've had a chance to meet and work with at CEC. And, uh, and I think Judge Whitman's a great example of someone who puts his community and that priority over partisan politics. I think we all need to follow that if we did. 
uh, we wouldn't be watching or seeing the headlines and we'd be talking about making progress. And that goes in, inter-party just like somebody alluded to earlier. It's not just the Republicans going against each other, it's the Democrats against themselves. Actually, I, I've always believed that the Republicans are much better at get, doing that. Democrats seem to trip over themselves and that's why we haven't been able to elect anybody statewide for over 20 years. But that's, I guess that's another story. It, that is another story. It's another podcast, maybe. Uh, Judge, we'll have to call you up uh, on that one. But let me ask you guys about an issue that, that should not be uh, partisan, but unfortunately has, has gone that way. And, and that, that's climate change. You guys probably saw the, the uh, release from the state climatologist there at uh, Texas A&M and College Station just released this, uh, saying that last month, December of 2021, is the warmest December since 1889 and might actually be the, the warmest December on record once they finish tallying up all the numbers. You know, I don't have to tell you guys, climate change is something that, that is kind of abstract out there. We kind of think we understand it, get it a little bit. Uh, but it's something that, that leaders in the state have really kind of brushed aside as, as this is cyclical. This is what this planet does uh, every, every so often. My, my question for you, Judge Trevino, down there on the coast, are you guys seeing any visible uh, signs of climate change? And if so, what, what would you like to see the state actually be doing? Well, I think obviously uh, we're having a very, very mild winter so far, but I've heard that supposedly January and February are going to be cooler again. Hopefully not to the extent that we saw last February with the, with the storm, but um, it's part of a. This is part of a bigger problem. We can't even agree on what the facts are, and in this case, science. So whether whether you may believe that this is cyclical or, or generational, there ought to be some agreement that there's a reason why the industrialization of the world over the last 250 years or 200 years has to have had some kind of an impact. And they're telling us that it does, so why don't we try to do something with it? I'm not saying that they're 100% right or 100% wrong, but there ought to be some consensus that we should be doing something as opposed to continuing to kick the can down the road. And you can pick a number of issues, a number of issues where that seems to be the modus operandi. Let's just kick it down and let it let somebody else deal with it. But the problem just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And now in this case, just like with the pandemic, because we can't agree on facts, we're potentially putting generations of lives at stake, our kids, our grandkids, and our great-grandkids. And that's, a, as Texans, about getting things done, that's just a shame. Judge Whitley, same question here for you. I just pulled up the drought monitor uh, right before we got going here to, to look at uh, North Texas. Tarrant County and much of North Texas, as you know, is in, is in what meteorologists call a severe drought right now. Are there any visible signs of climate change besides what Judge Trevino mentioned uh, about the February 2021, you know, ice storm that led to those deadly power outages. Are you guys seeing any in Tarrant County specifically? And if so, what would you like to see the state, you know, start doing on this? Well, uh, this is going to surprise a lot of people in this room, but I really kind of believe that that's above my pay grade. Um, you know, I'm while I'm an extremely strong supporter of local control, I do believe that there are issues that need to be addressed at the state level. Uh, this one, even above that one, at the national and at the at the world level, international level, uh, I do believe that the leaders of the world and of this country need to understand that it is an issue. Uh, what you find county and city governments, and it's primarily county governments do, is we implement the laws that are passed by the feds and by the state. And uh, I guess this is one of those that I think that's why the 
the feds and the state get paid the big bucks. They need to spend some time and quit arguing with one another and start looking at solving some of those problems and giving us some um, direction as to how they would go about or how they would like to see us go about doing that. Since someone uttered the phrase uh, power grid, Judge Whitley, uh, I want to ask you about the, the the head of your party here in this state who is, uh, sounds like 100% confident that this grid is going to hold up uh, through this winter. You're familiar with the changes uh, that have been made since we had that awful storm back in February of last year. Uh, a lot of critics have said that they don't think that those changes are going to go far enough and that we're still really vulnerable. I know a lot of big business out there, which of course relies on Electricity is worried about this, just as are some of your constituents. What's your feeling about that? Well, let's just say that I'm praying more that we don't have to test it than I am more are confident that if we test it, it'll succeed. Hmm. Judge Trevino, what are your thoughts? Not, not enough. And the fact of the matter is, and I was going to mention, I served as mayor of Brownsville from 03 to 07, and we had our first snowfall in Brownsville during a, a white Christmas back in 05, I believe. It's the first time it snowed in a year, in 100 years. We had snow uh, two, three years ago. Again, we had that storm. So um, it's it's clear it's clear that uh, they should have. We've known about this problem. The grid had this issue. We knew that there was that, that these issues existed 15 years ago. They told the state that they needed to weatherize uh, the, the plants, the power plants, and yet very little very little investment was done with regards to that. So. We know what the problem is, and we know what some of the solutions are. And yet, again, the session, the legislative session this past uh, year, I, I think uh, they could have, they could have, and should have done a lot more to address, or at least to invest in some of the problems and the solutions that we know will, will help address those. We mentioned local control right before we started recording the podcast, and, and that's what I really want to ask you guys about because y'all are on the front lines of this. We have seen Judge Whitley. You've seen this as well too. You, you guys carry out what happens from the state level and the federal level, as you mentioned. But we have seen local control being eroded for the past decade or more uh, for you know a number of di- different issues. Do you see that changing, reversing course at all uh, based on, on kind of where both parties are right now? Or are we in, in store for more of that when the legislature returns next January? I believe that as long as you have Dan Patrick and as Lieutenant Governor and Empowered Texans, uh, attempting to try to centralize everything in Austin, you're going to continue to have an attack on local control and on local elected officials. Um, I have said from the very get-go, uh, we've been fighting this back now for over 10 years. Dan Patrick came into office in 2006, uh, or was elected in 2006 to the Texas State Senate. That was the same year Empowered Texans came along, which is primarily the, you know, Tim Dunn, the West Texas oil man, and then now, the, and to some extent, the Wilkes brothers. But uh, they seem to be intent upon trying to centralize folks, uh, all the power into Austin, where I believe they feel like they can have more influence on the elected officials there. Uh, and I think it's it's caused a great deal of damage to, um, to Texas and the citizens of Texas. Judge Trevino, you're what, 500 miles south? What, what, what do you think? I'm, I'm sure I have an idea what you think about, uh, you know, some of the state leaders. I, I really don't understand the rancor resentment uh, that, that the state officials have towards local officials. We're, we're supposed to be serving the same constituency, regardless of what part of the state we were at. And uh, the, we've, had to, we've had to spend a lot of our time in the last couple of sessions 
making sure that as local government officials, whether it's at the county or the city level, we still are, are allowed to even get heard. They've been trying to legislate us out from allowing us to be heard with our local representatives and senators. So this. Um, but but when you, let me ask you this, though, when, when you talk to your local state reps and your local state senators or if there's a visit from the lieutenant governor or governor, I mean, are, are you able to, to get across to them? Well, I, I, I guess I have a little bit of a different issue because the, the, the majority of all of our delegation uh, up until recently was all Democrats. So we weren't seeing that necessarily that issue. Uh, we had one uh, local state rep who just recently switched parties. But um, again, we go back a few years ago. That's not the Republican Party that I that I used to work with. And so this resentment that this issue at the local level, something that Judge Whitley and I have been working on, uh, along with so many others, um, it's just it, it doesn't make any sense to me because all we're doing is, is spinning our wheels and spending a lot of time, energy and resources where we're not getting anything accomplished. And they're just trying to make sure that, uh, like he said, they have full control in Austin. And, and that's not uh, if, if that was the case, why do you have school boards? Why do you have city commissions? Why do you have county commissions? It just doesn't make any sense. And, and, and this is a Democrat and a Republican in different parts of the state saying the same thing here, uh, if you're listening at home. Uh, Judge Whitley, when I listen to you all describe this particular situation about local control, uh, Austin almost sounds like Boston um, way back when uh, taxation without representation. I mean, there at the conference, you all are being told, you know, in these big counties, in these metropolitan counties, you represent nine out of 10 Texans in this state. I mean, that's where the population is centered. That's the economic engines of this state. Are, so, so are people not being properly represented in Austin right now? And how do you make people care about this? Is it because it doesn't have a sexy name? I mean, local control just doesn't really, you know, roll off the tongue. I think it's because of the of the picture that is painted. Oftentimes, is that local elected officials are not concerned about property taxes. Uh, they're not concerned. Of, you know, they're looking for tax increases as opposed to making life, you know, in the big, the, the big catchphrase of just about any elected official, uh, especially at the state level is I want to do everything I can to reduce your property tax. Oh, by the way, they don't have a property tax at the state, but mm. when they cause, when they pass a law and don't fund it back home, uh, it's in effect a state mandated property tax increase. And it's it's interesting that that's a wedge issue, too, because you're the first one to hear about property taxes long before anybody in Austin does. That's right. And 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 a lot of that is driven by Austin uh, back again to why they don't seem to want to listen to us uh, back home uh, is that, as I said earlier, you have such a small percentage of voters who vote in the primaries and the and most of the districts are so gerrymandered now that you're either running as a Republican and whoever comes out of the Republican primary is going to get elected. And it's the same with the Democratic. You know, those districts that are drawn to be very Democratic, um, the, it, it's going to be the Democrat that comes out that's going to be elected. I believe that in this state, when you before the last redistricting, I think it was pretty common knowledge that you probably had maybe one or two of the 31 senatorial districts that were a toss up. The rest of them were almost certain 
to be either a Republican or a Democrat. Hmm. Judge Trevino, your thoughts on that, making people care about something called local control? Well, uh, what is it, the silent majority? You know, you don't hear usually about the people that are content and, and, and satisfied with the way things are going. You always hear about the people that, are, that, that aren't happy. And that's usually a vocal minority. Uh, we, we were looking at the numbers earlier before the, before the podcast, and our, our voter participation, first of all, our, our registration has increased dramatically, and our participation doubled from 2014 to 20, uh, 2014 to 2018, right, the midterms. So uh, I don't know if we're going to continue to see that. You guys were alluding to a couple of the issues. We'll see whether or not the former president continues to drive for or against. Uh, but the, the stalemate that you see within the parties themselves, nationally, state, and locally, I think is really is, is, is not serving an interest to, to the local constituency. And if they, if they, when they call because their trash wasn't picked up or because the potholes haven't gotten paid or because the fire department isn't responding to 911, we're the ones who hear about it. And yet, for some reason, understandably so, people have always thought, for example, and not, and not that it's not, but that the presidential, presidential election gets all the attention. And then now it will be the governor's, right, in, in the midterm. Where the reality is the local government public official, whether you're a county judge or a mayor or a commissioner, you're the one who deals with everybody and the school districts, you're the one who deals with everybody's day-to-day issues. So when you sit down, when you sit people down and you ask them or you have that discussion, they realize, holy cow, I should be more worried about what you're doing than, mm. than what they're doing in Austin. And that's kind of, I think, why we've gotten into this position because as Judge Whitley said, I'm gonna lower your taxes no, you're not. But they've led people to believe that messaging, messaging, messaging. Well, and I think the other thing that that you really got to look at here is that when we're talking about local control, we're mostly talking about local control in a disaster or an emergency situation. And unfortunately, we've been in that situation for the last two years now. Um, prior to that, it would be with a tornado. It would be with a hurricane. It would be with something like that. Um, I think the governor would even admit the fact that uh, having, you know, pulled away that local control and centralized it with himself has not necessarily been uh, something that has brought him a lot of favor. And it's because, again, we've got 254 counties. What will work in Dallas or Fort Worth doesn't necessarily work in Brown County or in uh, you know, Eastland County or in some of the other smaller counties. And that's the importance on the local control issue. You need to have people, elected people, who the citizens have confidence in and have put in positions. They need to be able to be there to make them, you know, the immediate decision based upon facts that they're witnessing, not hearing about uh, over the, you know, over the TV station or over the phone line or something along that top lines. And um, for the last two years, there's been a lot of local officials that have had to, you know, make decisions that they hoped were right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't envy the, the struggle you guys have endured the past two years. Wheeler brought up one of my favorite topics, property taxes. These are unsustainable in, in this state. Uh, so many people don't know who are moving here that Texas has the seventh highest property taxes 
in the United States. One of our producers was telling me the other day that a buddy of his is moving down from New Jersey, which has the highest property taxes, and moving down, I think, to Austin or the Hill Country, and got down here. I think he's building a house and discovered that within a few years, he'll be paying the same amount of property taxes in Texas that he was paying in New Jersey, which made the move not really worth it. The, the question for, for you guys, and I realize that school districts make up the majority of someone's property taxes. Cities make up a little bit, MUDs, the municipal utility districts, and then the county and county hospitals, et cetera. But what is the answer to arrest these ever-increasing property taxes in this state? Judge uh, Trevino, we'll start with you, sir. Oh, hell, I was, I was really waiting to hear Judge Whitley's answer to that. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's go back. I think he drew a breath as soon as I asked the question. Judge Whitley, go ahead, sir. Well, no, I was drawing the breath of relief. <laughs> uh, you know, here's what I would say to that, Jason. Uh, yes, your residential property taxes, we may rate seventh. If you look at overall property taxes, I believe we're 13th or 14th. But if you look at overall taxes collected Mm. to provide all of the services, state taxes, that'd be oil and gas, that'd be everything. And you look at how we rank as compared to the other uh, states, I believe we're either in the very low 40s or in the high 30s as far as state rankings. So what I would say to you is that for all the services we get, for us to rank in the upper 30s or the lower 40s in overall tax, I think is pretty good. Now, how we divide those services among the various taxes is is something that I believe we should spend more time discussing. Um, Moving some of it away, again, if most of us, if you look at your tax bill, over 50, 55 to 60% of that tax bill is for education, for public education, which is a primary responsibility of the state. And what they've chosen to do is they've chosen to, again, state property tax mandate local school districts and force them to pay a bigger portion of that um, than what the state is doing. Now, the question is, is okay, if the state's going to pick up a larger share, if they were to pay for just all of the M and O, then we would see that. Which is the, the maintenance and operations. Maintenance yeah, operations. Maintenance, go ahead, sir. You would yeah. see us fall dramatically, probably into the 30s in the amount of property tax rankings. Hmm. But they're going to have to replace that with something else. Hmm. Um, I have said this before. Sales tax, anytime you say something about sales tax, people immediately say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's regressive. Well, there are services that we don't tax. And since I'm not planning on going back and providing accounting services anymore, and Mm -hmm. I've never provided legal services, sometimes people are confused and think that because I'm a judge, I'm a lawyer, and there ain't enough money on this earth to make (laughs) me be a lawyer. Um, (laughs) You might begin to tax other services with the sales tax. It could be legal, it could be accounting, it could be brokerage. And the last time I looked, uh, the firm that I was a part of didn't do very many under the poverty level Hmm. tax returns. uh, And so that tax is not going to be as regressive if it's Hmm. on those particular things. Hmm. But that's again, why they get big money, they can figure out where to 
pull in tax revenue from other things, but they need to take the responsibility of funding public schools and not leave it in the form of property taxes. Hmm. It goes, yeah, they, they haven't back, figured they haven't figured that out yet, but go ahead, Judge. Going back to what Judge Whitley said about the unfunded mandates. We, we've known about this problem. We've known about these issues. And we've also known about a couple of the solutions. In other words, finding the revenue from other areas and whatever. But the, the lobbying ability, the lobbying efforts make it so that it, 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 again, they kick the can down the road or they just leave it into the local hands. In that instance, they don't have, a, they don't have any problem leaving it up to the local hands and making sure that we're the ones that have to raise the money or the taxes in order to fund these unfunded mandates that we've been receiving for the last several decades. So um, it's, it's, it's there, but it takes some intestinal fortitude in order to have the leadership make some of these decisions. Since we're and talking Adam about- made a good point. Adam made a good point. We keep talking about unfunded mandates and that's very hard concept to, uh, to explain to someone. If the state passes a law and they don't fund it, that means we have to fund it. And for 90% of us, that means the only funding mechanism we have is property tax. So I have been very careful to always describe it now as a state mandated property tax increase, because even though I've got to increase it, they mandated that I had to increase it when they passed the law and didn't fund it. I like that. I, I like that uh, um, state mandated 101 here for everybody. You forgot one little step, though, Judge Whitley, and that's at the end when the state that mandates that uh, when it comes election time, they run on trying to reduce your property taxes, which the local folks had to increase to deal with the state mandate. Uh, since we were talking about property, I have to ask this uh, because I know both of you have seen this. Uh, Tarrant County has been growing like crazy, Judge Whitley. Uh, Judge Trevino, down there where you are, I mean, y'all are in the space business uh, big time now. Uh, and I know that homes and rents are going for a whole lot more than they were just a year ago. Uh, yeah, we've seen some increases in wages here in Texas, but nothing like the double digit price increase that we have seen to own a home or to rent uh, a place to live. Sometimes it's up in the 20s and 30s of percent that it's gone up in just one year. Judge Trevino, I'll start with you. Are you worried that we, I mean, we used to be known for cheap housing here in Texas. Are we, are you worried that we are on the edge here of a housing crisis where you are? Absolutely. Affordable housing, the oxymoron of, of Texas. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing what the power of a tweet has nowadays. Uh, go back almost a year ago, and, and a certain individual said, you really ought to look at, at Brazel and Cameron County. And, and while we were seeing an increase, a very unusual result of the pandemic, right, the, the boom of the real estate market throughout our entire country, ours took off even greater uh, as a result of that tweet and, and as a result of the attention that we've been getting, which is good. I mean, we, we, you ask for this generational investment or change, so it's good for our community. But with that, with that uh, added attention and, and, and investment in our community, we're realizing, number one, we don't have the inventory. Number two, the, the, uh, the income is not keeping up with the, with the increase in prices in real estate. Uh, the housing uh, market is booming, but at the same time, the, some of the local people aren't being able to afford it. It's, it's, it's a very uh, double-sided problem that we've got to deal with. You know, you want the benefits of progress, but then there's obviously a cost associated with it. The problem we're having or seeing is that this, this increase is so dramatic, literally overnight, uh, how do we keep up? How do we make the incomes, uh, you know, stay on par with 
with that increase in real estate. So uh, all I keep uh, praying uh, that's that's I know that's not going to solve the problem, but we we know that the investment that's coming from these additional industries and hopefully other ones that we've been working on will get us over the hump. But you know, be careful what you wish for because there will be some uh, some associated issues with it. Judge Whitley, are are you worried that we're getting to that point where we we can't really advertise ourselves anymore as an, an affordable place to live? Very much so. Uh, I think we have to look at it. You know, it is a very complicated issue, the whole taxation issue. I still, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think that as a whole, if you look at all of the tax put together for the services we're providing, I think we're doing a very good job. But if you, I heard someone uh, make note of this. I, in fact, I think it was Comptroller Hager said that we exempt as much in tax as we collect in tax. Hmm. Now that may be in the sales tax area, that may be in the property tax area, but I think it's something that we almost need to set up a sunset commission where we go back and review property exemptions, you know, uh, those types of things, as well as sales tax exemptions. Every Hmm. time the state passes a law that grants another property tax exemption, that simply means that we've got to take what we had been collecting from that particular tax and it spreads among the, the folks that are continuing to pay tax. And you not only have to pay that tax, you've got to pay that mortgage that's just going up and up and up because, you know, it's, it's almost exactly. like we're a victim of our own success here. Now, I mean, in Tarrant County right now, if you put a house on the market, more so maybe about six months ago, you would end up probably first day getting three or four offers that would all be far in excess of what you were asking. Mm -hmm. The only problem with selling a home under that circumstance is you then have to go out and buy another one. And unfortunately, you know, unless you happen to have two sitting around at that time, then you got a problem. And then you yeah, we're not all like Jason Wheeler, unfortunately. Go ahead, Judge. <laughs> the logistics and the, 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 the increase in materials. You can't, you can't find any of the materials yeah. to build. Yeah, that's, that's a great point here, too. Listen, I, I know happy hour is coming up on you guys in about 60 seconds here, so I have one more question. I'm sure Jason has a few more also. Uh, here's my last question for you guys, and that's kind of a, an outlook. Judge Trevino, I want to ask you uh, first here. Republicans are making no secret about working their tails off to turn the valley red. Uh, are attitudes actually changing in the Valley right now? Or because, you know, the, the mayor of McAllen is a Republican, even though it's a, a nonpartisan municipal race. Uh, there are RNC Republican uh, GOP listening centers that have opened up down there. Uh, it, are, are, are people's minds and attitudes changing? I don't think so. Uh, honestly, the, the Valley uh, has always been what I call a, a conservative area, maybe not as conservative as some Republicans may May, may, may refer to as how they, that's what they think, but, but family, faith, and community have always been a priority. The, on, a, on a percentage basis per capita, you've got more people from the Valley and Hispanics serving in the military than you do anywhere else. So that's something that I think has always been here. Part of the problem, and it goes back to one of the points uh, we were talking about earlier, is messaging. Um, you know, uh, if people believe that you are a, a qualified individual, an honest individual, and they, they, they believe that you're going to do their community well, they're going to vote for you. And, 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 and that's where I think the Democrats here in the Valley have always kind of voted for the individual. 
Uh, President Bush carried it in 2004, I believe. And, uh, you know, uh, Trump did a lot better, uh, to my surprise, in, in, 20, in uh, 18 and 20. I'm sorry, it's 16 and 20 uh, than, than, I would have, than I would have seen. But I don't think it's really as big of a change. I just think it's because we're still considered one of the last areas of, a, of, a, of you know, that's controlled or run by democratically elected individuals. That's why I guess the Republican Party is putting some effort. And they're also doing it because of the phenomenal growth that the Valley is experiencing. We've got a million and a half people between here and McAllen. And that doesn't include our neighbors to the south. That's another uh, two million, three million people. So we're a huge, huge area of, of a lot of people. And the growth that we're experiencing with, with the Port of Brownsville, with SpaceX, with the LNGs, with, with everything else that's going on valley-wide, the investment in our infrastructure, uh, I just think that if we've been found out. So because it's a growing area, it would only make sense that the Republicans would want to uh, get, a, get a better foothold here. It's happened. We've had we've elected Republicans in, in Cameron County before, and uh, I'm not saying that I, I necessarily want to see a return to that. Obviously, since I'm in office, but I think that's why uh, all of us on both ends of the spectrum should make that concerted effort to represent all the people that live in our community, regardless of their uh, party affiliation or even the way they may think. If if we sit down over a glass of bourbon or a beer or even water. I guarantee you we're going to find that we have a lot more in common. And if we give ourselves an opportunity to hear the other side or the other individual, we'll find out that we got to compromise. And compromise, in my, in my definition, has never been a dirty word. Even though I won't take offense to, to Judge Whitley uh, saying he'd never be a lawyer in his life. I, <laughs> he's told me that before, so I, I, I appreciate that. There's only a few lucky of us to, to be able to call that profession ours, right? Judge Whitley, you are retiring this year. You're sitting on a chair that looks like a throne for our <laughs> listeners who can't see it. You have a bottle of Maker's Mark. It's a good life. You. you can speak. <laughs> you can speak freely here on Yolitics. Uh, I mean, you know this. You, you have. That's yes. why I saved the last question for you. The, the the GOP has been transforming over the last decade. What do you think the Republican Party is going to look like look like ten years from now? Um, I'm. Uh... I'm hopeful that they will come back more to what I believe is the Republican Party um, and not so much the Libertarian Party or the Radical Party. Uh, Judge Trevino was exactly right. If you look at the Hispanic uh, culture, it's family, it's faith, it's business. And that tracks almost identical to the Republican uh, that I was and am when I started out and when I'll end. And that's one that's, that wants to be open to business and to be able to give folks the ability to have good jobs uh, and to be able to take care of their families. Um, we've got folks in the Republican Party, unfortunately, that say, you know, if you're Hispanic, you must have come here illegally. And they just, you know, I, and I've stood up in front of the party and I said, you know, these, this is a culture that tracks almost identical to our beliefs. Why are you taking a two before to them? And then you expect them to come and expect that culture to adopt and, and vote Republican. Um, we've, we've got some fixing to do in the Republican Party. And if we don't fix it, if we don't come back more to, a, to the pro-business, if we don't come back more to working to help our people, 
um, then we're going to have some tough times ahead of us over the next 10 years. See, from both of you right there, this is what I love about this podcast. It is not 20-second sound bites. You get to get into stuff and get these really uh, great answers that, that, that go way beyond what we normally hear. Uh, Whiteley was right. I had like 32 more questions, but then he had to invoke the whole idea of happy hour, and I don't want to turn it into sad hour. So I'll boil it down to one final one for you, gentlemen. Uh, I know that, you know, you all have talked about a lot of things at this uh, conference there of urban uh, counties. I actually wish that they would take students to go see this in Texas because we don't have civic education like we used to. I think this would be a great thing for them to see how people from different parts of the state and different parties actually work together on substantive things. But I know that y'all have covered everything there from the future of Texas to renewable energy. Y'all even talked about misinformation and the worries about that going into another election cycle. Uh, But I also saw that you had a session there on how Bitcoin and blockchain and NFTs, most people don't even understand what any of those things are. Y'all had a whole session about how these things, these digital currencies and so forth, are going to affect county governments in Texas. And I was just curious after seeing that, is that the wildest thing that you heard at this several day conference? And if not, what was? I was disappointed. I had a conflict. When I saw it on the agenda, I was going to call Adam and say, you know, whose idea was this? But I'm gonna I'm gonna view it again because I I heard it was extremely unique and informative and again it's thinking about the future so let's focus on tomorrow because it's coming and if Bitcoin and and, and cryptocurrency is 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 the way of the future which it clearly is or at least part of it we need to be uh, better informed and prepared for it. I have a good feeling, Judge Trevino, that if you just uh, sought that uh, prolific tweeter uh, who is right there in your backyard, Elon Musk, he could probably give you way more than was ever covered in that session. Uh, Judge Whitley, what was the wildest thing you heard at this conference? I I, I mean, I know that you've been in this a while, but, you know, every now and then you have to hear something totally new. Well, this was the wildest. Bitcoin was the wildest. And I guess the one thing that I pray is that in the next 352 days, that I don't have to make a whole lot of decisions about Bitcoin. It scares me. It just scares me to death. Uh, I just, you know, I I don't, I've heard FBI folks talk about it. I've heard everybody talk about it. I, uh, it scares me to death. Better get on the train there, Judge Whitley. I don't think it's going anywhere and it's low right now, relatively speaking. Gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for being so candid uh, in your answers and and letting us in on, you know, what you're doing there behind the scenes and your decision making process. Uh, I wish politics was always this fun. It should be. It could be. It could be. It it could be and should be. You're exactly right. Judge Trevino from Cameron County. Thanks so much. Judge Whitley from from uh, Tarrant County, North Texas. Thank you. And thanks also to the Texas Conference on Urban Counties for having us uh, next year. If you can't find anybody else, we'll come down and do it in person. I think we'll uh, beyond, be beyond the, uh, the variant of the day by that point. Knock on wood. Uh, so we'll let you guys get to happy hour. Uh, someone make sure you grab that uh, bottle of I was going to say, I think Judge Whitley's already there. <laughs> before, before he takes off with it. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening as well. Thank you. God bless you guys. Cheers, Judge. <laughs> 